0: Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. All right, church, let's jump into Mark, Mark chapter three. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter three, we're gonna be going into, uh, Uh, We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 21. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. I titled the message for today Common Men, Uncommon Mission. Common Men, Uncommon Mission. Jesus began his ministry in Galilee in the beginning parts of Mark. Uh, He was uh, tempted, he was baptized, he started his preaching ministry. He went from synagogue to synagogue, proclaiming the kingdom of God, uh, and then he encounters some opposition. He encounters some conflict with the religious leaders of the day, and Jesus ends up winning. Uh, At the very end, if you remember a couple weeks ago, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, kind kind of... connected with the Herodians, a political group, a very zealot political group. And they both, uh, although they had a lot, uh, thi- a lot of things against each other, uh, they had one uh, enemy that the, in common. And so they wanted to kill Jesus. And so what we have seen is now that the intensity is going to kind of kick up. Uh, the intensity with the, the conflict with the religious leaders is going to kick up. Uh, Jesus is going to see that he is like headed towards the cross. Uh, he knows where he's going. He's headed towards the cross, and before he gets to the cross, as we'll see today, he starts building a team. Uh, Jesus begins to create this internship, internship program because he's he knows he's headed toward the cross. So he now wants to pass the baton to uh, men, to these common men, so that they can carry out the mission that he started. And that's what we're going to be looking at today: Jesus choosing and calling. The 12 apostles. Let's read that today. It says this And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges. This is the sons of thunder. Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat and when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. Every single morning when I get done setting up with the Setup and Teardown team, everything's all set up, and I kind of just walk around and talk to people. And especially when I'm in the kids' area, I just, I just love our kids, kids' area. And every time I'm just kind of walking around, I have the same thought each and every time. I'm, every single week, week in, week out, I'm like, I can't believe this. Like, I, I can't believe that I'm the lead pastor of this church. Like, I can't believe that God would use someone like me. Like, God, why would you? You could have picked so many other people who were a lot smarter, who were, you know, who had more ministry experience, who had all of this stuff. You know, they weren't better looking, okay? God couldn't have picked someone better looking than me. I'll just say that. But God, like, why me? Like, like seriously? Like, you could have picked all these other people, but you chose this dude, this broken, messed up sinner. Like, God, I still seriously just, unworthy. And I'm not kidding you. Every single Sunday, I'm like, I can't believe it. I get to do this. Like, you chose me. Like, this is crazy, God. And maybe some of you guys kind of feel like me at times. You're like, God, like, you're using me to impact people. Like, why did you choose me, God? You know, despite my failures, you're using me. Despite my sinfulness and my brokenness, you, you still use me, God. Maybe you feel like that at times as God leads you and as God guides you, and as God uses you for maximum kingdom impact. And maybe there's some of you guys, and I've been there before as well, where like, God, you can't use me. God, God, you can't pick me on your team. God, you can't use me. Do you know how messed up I am? God, I'm so average. I'm so basic. I'm I'm so imperfect. Why would you even want to use me? Do you know all the stuff that is in my heart and is in my mind? Yes, he does, and he still wants to use you. God, I make so much so many mistakes. Like why would you want to use me? I'm nothing special. I'm so average. I'm always the odd one in the group. Like, you know, why why God? I feel unworthy. Like how can you call me to serve you? How can you just can't? Like you can't use someone like me. But here's my goal for today. I have two goals for today. If you have that mentality that God can't use you or that God will never use you because of how imperfect and messed up and broken you are, I just want to tell you this. I have two goals for you today. Number one is to show you uh, through this passage the type of people that God calls for his service, I want to show you the type of people that God calls to carry out his mission. And number two, that you would be encouraged by the people he calls. Because I'm about to show you some people. These 12 dudes were messed up. They're messed up. And may you find encouragement in who, Je- in who Jesus chooses to use. Let's jump in. Verse 13, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. So so Jesus, with all of the pressures of ministry, remember the the previous passage, people were pressing in and coming from everywhere. Jesus was busy. He was doing ministry. And what does Jesus do when he was faced with the pressures of ministry? The text tells us that he went on to a mountain to pray. That Jesus goes to the mountain to pray and gets away from all the pressures of ministry ministry to spend time with the father to spend time with God and I just want to give you a quick side note today that when we are faced with the pressures of life the pressures of ministry the pressures of work the pressures of being a parent the pressure the pressure the pressure the pressure man we have to get away and be with God you see if we don't tie, if we don't take time to get away we're going to waste away if we don't take time to get away from the pressures of life and be with God we're going to waste away, we're going to burn out, we're going to get tired, and we just need that rejuvenation and refueling from God, and that's what Jesus does. And in the parallel account in Luke chapter 6, Luke actually tells us that Jesus was praying all night, that Jesus prayed on this mountain all night, and I don't think Jesus was praying to see what disciples he was gonna choose. Jesus already knew what disciples he was gonna choose. I think he started praying for the disciples. He knew that he he was about to pick the 12. It's a big decision and he is praying for these 12 guys, these 12 apostles that he's going to choose because the road ahead of them is going to be a difficult, difficult road. Whenever Jesus calls us into discipleship, which is every believer, it's a difficult road. It's one of sacrifice. It's one of giving of our lives. And so Jesus goes on the mountain to pray. And then Mark tells us that, that Jesus called to him those whom he desired. At this point, it's not the 12. Let me kind of give you a picture. Jesus is on the mountain. He calls all of these people that have been following him. So the 12 are included in that. So he calls more than 12 people to, to follow him, but he's going to choose the 12 out of this big group, verse 14. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. 12, have you ever wondered why did Jesus choose 12? Why not 10? Why not eight? Why not seven? Why not, you know, six? Why did he choose 12. Well, the number 12 was very symbolic, actually. Uh, the number 12 represented and was symbolic for the 12, tri- the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. The 12 tribes of Israel deserted God and they abandoned God. And so, in choosing 12 new apostles, what Jesus is really, really saying is that, hey, I am choosing new leaders for God's people. I am choosing a new foundation for God's people, uh, for a new covenant type of people who will believe in the gospel. And so the 12 apostles are the foundation of the church. The word apostle means messenger, ambassador, a delegate, or an official representative. Now, I want to just take a, a really brief moment And I want to answer this question. I want to ask you this question too. Are there modern day apostles today? I really think that that word gets thrown around a lot in many circles and in many denominations and in Christianity. Like when you hear of a person who has the title of apostle, like what does that mean? How much authority do they have? Where do they get this authority? Are there modern day apostles today? And the answer is yes and no. So there's both, all right? There's both. You see, I really, like I said, I think the term uh, has a lot of confusion and it's really unhelpful, I think, at times. So I just want to clarify it for just a second. Uh, There's, the word apostle in the Bible uh, refers to two things. In a narrow sense, in a narrow sense, it refers to the office of apostle. That's what that means. It refers to the 12th. That's what the word means, the office of apostle. It refers to the 12 that Jesus chose. And obviously when, when Judas hung himself, they replaced him. Uh, and so it includes him as well. Uh, but it refers to the office of apostle. So if when we use the word apostle to refers to one of the 12, capital A apostle, no, there are no more apostles in today's world in the modern day. Why? Because biblically, the qualification for an apostle were these two things. Number one, uh, you have to have seen uh, Jesus Christ resurrected. Like you have, to, you have to have been someone who witnessed and saw Jesus Christ with your own eyes. Okay, that's the first qualification. The second qualification is that Jesus uh, had to have commissioned you and called you. So no, there are no Apostles today, when it comes to the office of apostle. Why? I don't know anybody who has seen Jesus, and I don't know anybody who's been called specifically by Jesus. So in the narrow word of, in the narrow sense of the word, no, there are no modern-day apostles. But the word apostle could also mean in a broader sense, like I mentioned earlier, messenger. And it's used three times. For example, in Philippians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and John. 13, in in a general sense of the word, it's a messenger, right? So a missionary could be an apostle. He's a messenger or a church planter could be an apostle. He's a messenger. So in the general and broad sense of the word, Yes, there are apostles today, but they're simply messengers. They don't have the authority of giving us revel- new revelation. Uh, they, you see the apostles, uh, the 12 apostles, a lot of the New Testament comes from them. They were used by God. God revealed to him the, to them the words of Scripture. and They had that type of authority. There is no modern-day apostles that have that type of revelation or authority from God. So again, just really clearly, um, the office of apostle, the 12th. Uh, the foundation of the church, no, there's no modern-day apostles, but there are, in a general sense, messengers that can mean church planter or missionary. You see, uh, one of my professors, um, Wayne Grudem, he, he makes this observation, which, which, which I agree with. I just want to read it to you. It says this, uh, It is noteworthy that no major leader in the history of the church, Athanasius or Augustine, not Luther or John Calvin, not Wesley or Whitfield was taken to himself the title of apostle. Apostle, or let himself be called an apostle. They, they didn't want to be called that. If any in the modern times wants to take the title apostle to themselves, they immediately raise suspicion that they may be motivated by inappropriate pride and desire for self-exaltation, along with excessive ambition and a desire for much authority in the church that any one person should rightfully have. Paul himself said that he is the least of the apostles unfit to be called an apostle. So what he's really saying here is like, these modern day apostles, like why, why do you want that title of apostle? Like he, Paul himself was like, I- I'm so unfit to be an apostle. And so there is major suspicion with that. Not saying that it is true for every single person, but there is very huge suspicion for someone who would label themselves an apostle. And so Jesus says he he chooses, Mark tells us that, that Jesus chooses these 12. And he says that they might be with him. So this is the internship process. He says first they need to be with him. They need to go through an internship process. The work was so intense that they needed some serious training. And for the next 18 months, Jesus was going to pour into the lives of these guys. He was going to equip them and he was going to power them for what? It says here, it says to send them out to preach and to cast out demons. And so when Jesus sends out his apostles to go minister to people, he sends them in his authority. When they preach, they preach in his authority. When they cast out demons and heal people, they cast out demons and heal people in his authority. Essentially, they did what Jesus did as well. Now in verse 16 Mark begins to give us the lineup, right? Like the starting lineup. If you've ever if you've ever gone to a basketball game or or something like that, you have the starting lineup. They they call every single basketball player by name and his position and stuff like that. And this is really the starting lineup for Jesus. This these are the 12 that he has chosen if you remember when you were a kid right like when you were a kid and you were playing dodgeball or kickball or some kind of game do you guys remember picking teams right you guys remember picking teams and you would have a two team captains and you know you would kind of pick people and uh and so maybe some of you guys right now you're like I'm, I'm, I'm having flashbacks of when I was a kid because I always got picked last, and so I'm sorry to bring some of those flashbacks. If you got picked last, um, but that's what, that was you know what you would do when you were a kid. You would kind of just pick people, and who would always get picked first, right? The athletic kids, the fast kids, you know, the taller kids, you know, kids like that. And it's, it was always those unathletic kids that would kind of get picked at the end. And I really believe that if Jesus had to pick, He wouldn't pick the fastest. He wouldn't pick the strongest. He wouldn't pick the tallest. He would pick the kids that no one wanted to pick. He would pick those that are last. And this is what Jesus does. Now, here's the deal. We're not gonna go through every single apostle because we just don't have the time for it today. But I do wanna recommend a resource to you that if you really wanna dig in deep on who these guys were, I want you to jot this down. It's a book called 12 Ordinary Men. 12 Ordinary Men, and it's written by John MacArthur. Pastor John MacArthur, uh, it's, it's honestly gonna be a blessing to you uh, if you dig through that book. Uh, I, I'm gonna barely scratch the surface on some of these guys, but, but here are some of the guys and type of guys that Jesus chose uh, for his ministry. First, Peter. Peter was a fisherman, and he was a fisherman along with his brother Andrew. Uh, Peter was a type of person who would speak without thinking. He would put his foot in his mouth many times. Peter was very impatient, uh, Peter, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, he was supposed to be watching out for Jesus as Jesus was praying. And what does he do? He falls asleep. Like So he, you know Peter can't even help Jesus and watch Jesus' back. Uh, Peter ended up denying Jesus three times. Hey, aren't you a follower of Christ? I don't know who that is. Hey, aren't, don't you know Jesus? I don't know who that is. Hey, have you been with Jesus? I don't know who that is. And he denied Jesus three times. Later on though, Peter became the spokesman for the rest of the 12. He became the leader of the 12. On Pentecost Sunday, about 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, he preached a bold sermon where 3,000 people were saved. Peter wrote first and second Peter, and Peter was crucified upside down because he, was, uh, he, th- he thought of himself unworthy to even be crucified like Christ. John, John was more concerned. He was also a fisherman. He, John was more concerned about his rank within the 12. John wanted to be first. John wanted to be on top. If you look at John's life, he had some really bad behavior. He was narrow-minded. He was stubborn. He was very reckless, volatile. He was aggressive. That's who John was. What's interesting, though, is that John ended up writing the gospel of John and the three epistles, first, second, and third John. John, although he was reckless, aggressive, volatile, narrow-minded, did you know that he wrote more about love than anybody else in the New Testament? That John wrote about the importance of love, of Christ's love for us and our love for Christ and our love for each other. John became the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Philip, what about Philip? Philip was, again, probably a fisherman. So we have three fishermen here. And most likely, Philip was in charge of coordinating the meals for the 12. I mean, think about it back then. How hard, if you were kind of, the 12 were kind of going and traveling, how hard would it be to find meals? There was no fast food restaurants, anything like that. And and so Philip was in charge of coordinating these meals. And that's why I think when Jesus fed the 5,000, who does he look at? He looks at Philip. How are we going to feed these guys? How are we going to feed 5,000 people? And so Philip had this, he, he struggled with faith. He, he had a lack of faith. Uh, Philip was a very indecisive man and he was very slow to understand. But church tradition tells us that Philip was used powerfully to spread the gospel in the early years of the church. And he actually became one of the first apostles to suffer martyrdom by, sto- by stoning. Bartholomew, what about Bartholomew? Bartholomew, if you take a look at his life, he was actually very prejudiced. He struggled with prejudice. He was a prejudiced person, especially against the people of Nazareth. But as early church shows us, he ministered and he preached the gospel in Persia and India. Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was very wealthy. He was a thief and a traitor. He was greedy. He focused on getting rich. God used him to write the gospel of Matthew and to preach the gospel in Israel to the Jewish people. And the earliest traditions indicate that he was burned at the stake for the cause of Christ. What about James, son of Alphaeus? The only thing we really know about James is really his name. They call him James the Less or James the Little, probably because he was very short or because he was younger than the other James, James was the son of Zebedee. There's great evidence that James the less took the gospel to Syria and to Persia. And some say he was stoned. Others say he was beaten to death and others say he was crucified, but again, he was martyred for the sake of Christ. So Jesus can use short people, okay? If you're short, Jesus uses short people, all right? James the less. What about Thaddeus? Thaddeus actually had three names. He had three names. Uh, his real name was Judas, but he didn't want to be called Judas because of you-know-who, right? Judas Iscariot. Uh, but one of his names means heart, and the other of his name means uh, breast child. In other words, mama's boy in modern-day language. So even God uses mama's boys for his kingdom. He took the gospel to the ends of what, what, to what is now known modern-day Turkey. He was a person who had a tender heart. So God can use anybody. Just think about all these types of guys. What they did, who they were, their failures. Verse 20 says that when he came home, Jesus and the disciples and the crowd gathered again. It says, so that they could not even eat. So after Jesus chooses these 12 guys out of this huge group, they go back home and they continue to minister. They continue to minister to the point that they can't even get a bite to eat. Now, church, what does this mean then for you and I? What type of people does Jesus call? For the sake of time, I'm truly going to go through this kind of quick. Number one, he calls common people. Common people. Jesus uses common people. Think about these, these guys were fishermen, tax collectors, normal people. Jesus didn't go into the religious institutions of the day, he didn't go into the, mo- the, the seminaries or the Bible college. Jesus didn't go find the Sadducees or the Pharisees. No, he didn't go to those places. He chose common people, regular people. A lot of times, when, when we look at the apostles or we look at biblical figures, we, we kind of think of them as superheroes, but they're not. They were ordinary people like you and I. They were common people. They were regular people like you and I. And so Jesus uses common people. Jesus didn't go to the elite. I I really believe that if Jesus were here today, he wouldn't go to the seminaries. He wouldn't go to the Bible college. He, He would go to just the regular places and choose people and to choose the people that no one would ever choose. And so I just really want you to understand this today, that God uses common people to accomplish his uncommon mission. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses the unqualified, the uneducated, and the unlikely to do the unexpected. Jesus uses common people like you and I. Number two, Jesus uses imperfect people. He uses imperfect people. Anybody imperfect here? Anybody imperfect? All right. Some of you some of you are perfect. All right, cool. He uses imperfect people. Imperfect people. I mean I mean think about all of the things that All all, all the negative aspects of of the 12's lives, I mean, some were stubborn and aggressive and volatile. Uh, Simon the Zealot, which I didn't mention, I mean, he would go around killing Romans. He was part of this aggressive political group. Jesus uses imperfect people. And I just want you to understand today, look, your imperfections, your weaknesses is what God wants to use in your life to accomplish his mission. Your imperfection doesn't disqualify you. It actually qualifies you to be used by God. So yeah, you you might have some problems, some sin, some brokenness. You might not do things right. It's okay. Neither did the 12. If Jesus was looking for perfect people, no one could ever do ministry. No one could ever be called by God. He uses imperfect perfect people. And number three, this one's huge. Jesus uses available people. Jesus uses available people. Think about it. When he chose the 12, uh, they go back to his house and they can't even eat because of the ministry that they're doing. He chooses people that are available. The 12 were available To be used by God. The question is, are you available? I know you're common. I know you're imperfect. Are you available? I've always said it and I'll continue to say it again: if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Worried about the things of the world. Worried about the, the things that kind of distract us. Our schedules are packed. Is your schedule available to be used by God? Is your heart available to be used by God? Is your mind available and free to be used by God? These guys didn't even have time to eat. Man, serving people is tough. It takes a lot of work. And I just want to speak to specifically to the dream team today. Those of you that serve each and every week, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being available. I see your hard work. Some of you come in at seven o'clock. I see when you are setting up and tearing down when you're sweating. I I see all of that stuff. I see the energy and the time that that goes into you serving God. So thank you. Continue to push forward because what you do matters. What you do is making a difference in the lives of people. Thank you for your availability. Church, I wanna leave you with one last thing today. And it's this, Jesus, he could have accomplished his mission any way he wanted to. Think about that. Any way he wanted to. He could have easily said, you know what, you know, these people are saved and, and uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use whoever, whatever to accomplish my mission. With, with just a snap of a finger, Jesus could have been like, mission accomplished. He could have done that. But he didn't. He decided to use imperfect people to accomplish his mission. Think about that. He could have easily done it himself. He doesn't need our help. But he decided to use common and imperfect people for his mission. The most important mission in all of history, he entrusted it to fallible men and women. You see, when Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples of all nations, when Jesus called the disciples to go and preach the gospel and to go on this mission, when Jesus called you, when you gave your life to Christ to go on this mission, he didn't say, hey, you know what? And if it doesn't work out, don't worry. There's plan B. I gotcha. I know you guys are imperfect. I know you're, you're, you're common. I know you guys have all this mistake and brokenness. But if, you, you know, if it doesn't work out, there's plan B. Church, there is no plan B. There's no plan B. We are plan A. There's no other plan. God has no other plan but to use messed up, broken, sinful, imperfect people to carry out his mission. There's no plan B. We are plan God calls common, imperfect, and available people to change the world. It kind of reminds me of this passage in 1 Corinthians. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world, to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses the weak and the foolish people to shame the strong and the wise. God chooses people like you and me. And isn't isn't that true with the cross as well? Isn't that true that for many people, when they think of the cross, it's foolish It's foolish for many people. For many, the cross is a symbol of weakness and foolishness. But for us, the cross, it's a symbol of God's wisdom. It's a symbol of God's power. It's a symbol of God's hope and joy and covenant-keeping promises. God uses the weak, the foolish, and the simple for His glory, and for His purpose, including us. And most importantly, the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.